Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. I want a voice that feels familiar when it says my name. I want a smile that spreads a flush of red across my face. Drop the light of being alone forever suits me fine. I wanna feel the way my mama did in 1985. I want 86 and 87 shitty cars, a small town wedding with you. Small town wedding with you. I will remind you every day, you know I mean it when I say I do. Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was Meredith Roundsley with her single 1985. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you doing today? Hey. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Greg. You know, it's funny. Hey, a, a couple of things now. Right off the bat, anybody puts like the line, a shitty car <laughs> in the chorus <laughs> and it works. You got to love that right off the bat. That worked for me. And then the way it ended, it reminds me of Frank Sinatra back in the 60s. He was doing, I think, the Capital Years. 
and uh, he's doing this one song, and then they started fading the ending. That wasn't always done, you know. The, that right, that, right, that right, came right. around the '60s, and he, at yeah. the end of it, you hear him say, "Not another one of these fade away records." Yeah, <laughs> remember that? Very strange. He's, yeah, he's, I do he screamed that. that, you know, like so. It reminded me of, of the way it faded. Reminded me of that Sinatra fadeaway record, like because I love the vibe of it. I think it was a good vibe. Her voice had lightness to it that I really enjoyed. And, the, and, and it, it had a nostalgic feel because it made me look back is for my stuff too. Maybe it wasn't 85, but that's what music, we were talking about that earlier. That's what music has to do for you. It should bring yeah. you to a place and, and heals you. Want to hear a stupid story? That's we always want to hear a stupid that's story, That's all I Carl. tell a stupid story. So anyway, I won't, I won't say her name, but she was this girl who I was had a total crush on senior year in high school, right? And we went out one time and this and that, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, there was this big pool party at this other friend's of mine's house this one summer night, you know? And this girl who I was trying to, was always promising to come with me to the party. The last minute, oh, Carl, I don't know if I can make it. Let me get back to you. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock. I don't know. Let me call you back later. And I'm going... You think you make it? I'll try. So basically, she was she didn't know how to tell me she didn't want to come because she didn't like me. So finally, around like six thirty, before I'm leaving for the party, she goes, "Carl, I can't make the party." And I go, "Well, why?" He goes, "Well, Carl, you're the kind of guy that a girl would like to marry, and I'm not really into that kind of guy right now." I'm <laughs> so basically, wow. she dumped me. She says she wants because I'm too much of a nice guy. Anyway, so I go to the party. And I'm all depressed because I'm by myself because the girl didn't come with me. Where's what's her name? Now nah, she dumped me. Anyway, so the whole time in the pool party, I swear to God, I'm in the living room, right, with the record player playing Let It Be over and over again. The, the girl's mother comes in from the pool party. The whole pool party, I'm sitting in the living room with the girl's mother playing Let It Be over and over <laughs> How wow. pathetic is this? But but it made me feel good. That's I find myself, you know. <laughs> we remember that stuff, you know. I mean, when when I was coming up and coming of age in the mid seventies, Nicole, we used to go to parties, and we would. There was a certain faction, I guess, when you were in your junior high school, where you would go and you would play these kissing games. Or did you do that in your generation? Or spin the bottle we did spin the bottle and seven minutes in heaven and yeah, all yeah, of yeah, those yeah, things yeah. yeah yeah so i remember uh one of those events where uh i got the bottle spinned correctly for me and so you wanted the point uh, to yeah and i and i was very shy and i didn't normally participate in that kind of thing it freaked me out a little bit but i got the bottle spun to who I was interested in. And we ended up doing this seven minute thing. And from outside the room where you would go, Angie, the stones was playing. And so that brings um, you to that moment now every day. Uh, absolutely. Every single time I hear that song, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs actually, but it's just like, yeah, that, that song just indelibly, marked my uh, psyche. Since you guys are talking about heartbreak and love stories and, you know, <laughs> spinning bottles, I dated someone pretty much on and off through high school. And when we were doing well, we obviously were in the good times, but when we were doing bad, I actually turned to music, specifically the emo variety, just because that's the generation I grew up in. Like, just like super depressing, like dashboard confessionals, 
that type of music. But I just remember there was this one time where he broke up with me in the hallway of my high school. And it was right before English class that we both had to attend. And I remember him coming up to me, putting dashboard confessionals over my headphones and just letting me sit there and listen to it because he knew that's what I needed at the time. I'm dumping you, but I got the soundtrack ready. (laughs) No, he literally, that's what it was. (laughs) I mean, I guess there's not that much time elapsed between going to high school and, and, and having all those memories and then, you know, and then going to college. It's just four years, you know, so. I know uh, it's such a short span of time, but why do we put so much weight on it? You know what I mean? If you think about it. I think it's because it's the first time a lot of us really had like a sense of freedom and independence. So like we like cling on to the fact that like that was the first time we did a lot of things by ourselves. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, all the music that I grew up with in the 70s, uh, that's been co-opted by these. um, This Have you seen the Guardians of the Galaxy series? So yeah. Supposedly, it's part of the narrative of the film that the guy. His mother's cassette, right. Right. So he's got these cassettes. But it's very interesting to see what happens like culturally with that, because my grandson, who will be seven on Saturday, he knows all the 70s songs based on the idea that they have watched the movie a bunch. And he's actually starting to get interested in the 70s kind of sound by virtue of it being in that movie. So when I'm listening to 70s-based things uh, at the house when he's over, he looks at me and he says, that's, you know, that's Guardians of the Galaxy music, you know? I mean, right. that's that's his frame of reference. So I guess he will take that, you know, into his adulthood and it will be nostalgic. But the great thing about it is it's going to be, the music's going to be much older because he discovered 70s music in 2020. So it's kind of cool. It's so Ringo has a new album out, a new EP, you know, of all people, Ringo, right? So he's on Jimmy Kimmel talking about it. And Jimmy Kimmel asked him the question, you know, it's been like 50 years, Ringo. Why do you think the Beatles music still resonates in the world? It's still such a, you know, so popular. And he goes, because it was great. (laughs) That's what he says. He goes, because it was great. The way he said it was just like, you know, so just nonchalant. Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard Keith Richards talk about uh, the idea people have said, you know, didn't didn't you get sick of playing that those same songs for, you know, 60 years? I mean, hasn't it been haven't we heard them enough or 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 are they just timeless? And he was like, they're built to last. I mean, they're I don't get tired of playing them because they were built to last 50 or 60 or 70 years. Yeah, no, so. that, 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 that's, that's a cool answer. No, they weren't. Yep. They just did. You know, it's, <laughs> they they didn't, did last, yeah. yeah he, didn't, he didn't like back when he was 19, he goes, bum, bum, ba-da-dun. You know, well, I, be- I think where he's coming from is the idea that it's all blues-based stuff anyway. So, I mean, it's basically when the Rolling Stones play, they're playing their version of an art form that is – you know, 75 years old when they did it for the first right. time. Want to play another song by Meredith? Yeah, I want to play Amber. Play Amber. I'm patient. Lowly nights alone don't make me anxious anymore. And I'm faithful. Breathing slow and steady like I never could before. 
I like her, you know? What I like, there's just something about her voice. Like, she's not trying to, like, put something on it. Like, it's just pure. Uh, I just was going to say, I like um, something more subtle. I like the production, particularly on that track. It's dynamic, but it's kind of got that 70s Americana drum sound feel where it's really compressed, but yet it's pleasant to listen to the rhythm. The cross stick, you know, and I, I, I like I it. like that yeah. it starts off kind of acoustic, yep. and then the second verse starts just like acapella, and then the band comes in. If you go back and listen to some of those 70s and early 80s, but primarily late 70s um, kind of L.A. folk singer-songwriter type albums, albums like uh, Black Rock. By um, John David Souther, those records—they—they're always really compressed, but yet they're dynamic in a certain way. It's really cool stuff. That 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 track is great. I, I really like that. I was gonna say, do you guys want to get to know Meredith Roundsley a little bit better? Because we do have questions this week. All right. Well, we have to remind everyone that this is the questions of the week segment. Oh, oh right. We haven't done nice. it in a few weeks. The first question of the week, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Meredith Roundsley, and I'm a songwriter and artist based in Nashville, Tennessee, and I make organic pop folk music. 
I was born and raised in rural Maryland on the cows and chickens side, not the cool side, um, and ended up gravitating towards music in school. My dad is a huge fan of soul and classic rock. My mom has always kept up with the radio, um, and my grandma was like a walking Methodist hymnal book. So I ended up studying music in college. I self-produced and released my first EP, Weapon, when I was living at my parents' house uh, after college graduation, and I actually borrowed their car to tour like up and down the East Coast uh, to places like Jam and Java and Rockwood Music Hall, like those small singer-songwriter-centric venues. Um, and eventually I ended up uh, at a writing camp in Nashville and met people who were really interested in co-writing and being independent artists. And it was a group of people that I just kind of fell into and ended up really loving it. So I took the plunge and moved to Nashville in 2018. Um, and shortly after that, met the people that I made my latest EP, Ember, with. Oh, yeah, cool. I like her. Yeah, me too. So what are you working on now? I just released my new EP, Ember. It came out on August 27th. And so really what I'm working on right now is playing shows and getting that in people's hands and sharing this new music with people. Um, I recorded it in... 2019 and set it aside during the pandemic because I wasn't sure what to do and how. And it ended up being the perfect time to release it. It's very, very cozy, very late summer, early fall. So I'm super excited that it's out. And I am headed back to Nashville from some summer touring that I did on the East Coast, kind of close to where I'm from out in the Maryland and Delaware beaches, and then kind of settling right back into Nashville. So I have a show at the basement on October 28th that I'm super excited about. And uh, I'll also be writing for hopefully new projects and a new record over the next few months. So just settling back into a creative groove. I've been very, you know, putting out a record is very outward facing. It's like here, here are all the things, here's what I've made. And I'm very excited to go back into a little bit of a cave and decide what's next. Here's what I've made. I like that. Well, and I, I like her vibe too. Like it's, she's not constantly just going to create to create. Like she's letting, as we like to say, her project breathe, but she's not doing it in Nashville. She's going back to the place where she knows like her fan base is and she's growing it there and she's coming back to Nashville to create. I love that. I'll try to get out to see her at the basement. She mentioned the basement. That's On my October favorite. On October 28th, I believe. That's my favorite Nashville venue, actually. Little bitty basement. The next question is, so what other music artists have inspired your music career so far? So many artists have inspired my music career. So I grew up in the, in the aughts, which means that was a time where people like Sarah Bareilles and Katie Tunstall were starting to get radio play. And so when I was learning to pick up an instrument to songwrite, they were really huge influences that taught me how to put a song together and specifically how to put together a song that felt accessible in, in kind of a pop format, but still kept that organic feeling that I really, really love. And then from a career perspective, I am so inspired by artists that kind of take matters into their own hands. The one that comes to the top of my head right now is Tori Kelly. When she produced her own EP before she was signed when she was just getting traction, I remember finding that super inspirational. And then coming down to Nashville, there are so many artists who are independent, who are building you know, their own teams, their own record labels. They are building their own 
touring, all of that. So I'm super inspired by actually the, the friends that I have that are out and they are doing what they want with their career. They're booking their tours. They're not waiting. I'm super inspired by artists who just didn't wait. Wait for what? I don't know. Wait wait for something to happen. Yeah, I think being proactive is, is, is what you need to be, especially nowadays. Our final question, what does a successful music career look like? Okay, so vaguely, a successful career in music to me looks like being proud of yourself for the type of work that you're creating and the connection that you're making with fans or listeners and the, t- the type of output and the pace that you're running at, being proud of that, but also not being too settled into it. So always that, that little bit of fire and that little bit of kick that makes you want to keep going, keep trying a little bit more. So to me, that, that success is, is when you're doing something that you're proud of and you still have that little bit push to want to do more. Specifically for me, a successful career is choice. It's being able to choose the type of music that I create, the people that I play with, the shows that I take, and being able to survive and to thrive as an artist off of that. To be able to you know, pay my bills by reporting the world as I see it and to listen to other people's stories and, and make that a sustainable career and a sustainable practice. It's, you know, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough to make a living doing this. She seems to be very optimistic about it, though. I mean, there's a certain faction of people that would say that it shouldn't matter, right? You're just going to be a disruptor. If you're going to choose to make music, if you're going to choose to record your observations of the world, then it's going to be tough and you're going to be and it may uh, it it may make your observations a, a, a little bit um, skewed, but I say do it. You know, go for it these days because so many people are doing it because there is the freedom because it is you know relatively easy to put a recording together. It's relatively easy to you know distribute the uh, the music you're making. Whether or not anybody listens, you know, that's a different matter entirely. But today, it seems to me that if you're going to make it as an artist, uh, if you're going to make it your career, if you're going to be able to pay your bills and pay your rent and not be homeless, it's really there kind of isn't a plan B, you know? So it's like now, now before, you know, 30 years ago, maybe there was a plan B. Maybe you kind of did music on the side and then maybe you got a record deal offer or something and you could leave that job and go do this for a while. And then when uh, you stopped selling records, you went back to the, the day gig, to the nine to five. To me, I thought if you had a backup plan, then you'd always you'd fall back. Don't you think that's a good thing? Well, that, that's why I'm not as secure as some people should be at my age because of my no plan B. I've been listening to a lot of um, philosophers recently. It's probably going to put put me over the edge and make me even more crazy. But the overall theme is, it's like, you know, why do we buy into all this capitalist bullshit? Because it's fun. Uh, I think it's time to get out of this episode. 
So we do have one more track by Meredith Roundsley called Let Somebody Love You. Um, So make sure that you listen through all the way to the end to hear that. But for everything that we talked about in this episode, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Long days and cold sheets I know cause you told me I worry sometimes that You make yourself lonely Kind eyes, warm smiles But you change direction You're not